You should always start with a joke. So one year, the boys and I, we tried sushi for bre- uh, before the fast. We were hungry by like 8.30. It was miserable. <laughs> and then the next year, we did actually uh, burritos, and we were solid for like a day. It was a wonderful suggestion of the panoply of fast. But what I want to say is that to Damafseket, the meal that you had before you got here, it's really a celebratory meal. We should already feel like we're successful before we've even begun. Because you made it here. You're here. And we have done the ritual of Kol Nidre and we're beginning to atone. We're beginning to open up. But you should already feel successful. I think they talk about this in SAT prep as well. You should visualize your success, right? Visualize your success. Look through it, so take a deep breath, and now I will give you by Devartor. By the courts on high and the courts below, knowingly by this place, Hamakom, and this Kahal, this community, we are permitted to pray with Avaryanim. We are allowed to pray with those that transgress. Huh? I mean, I mean, just take the literal words here. What are we talking about? We're allowed to pray with sinners? I thought that was the whole point. Like, here we are. We know that. It's our most sacred day of the year. We admit that we're not perfect. It doesn't even sound like our religion. I'm permitted to pray with those that transgress. Like, I'm supposed to look next to me and be like, Oh, yeah, you're... Okay, but I'm allowed. That's okay. It doesn't make sense. Because this service, what we just experienced on Kol Nidre is a service before the service. It's actually a totally different ritual than what we do on Yom Kippur. So the Kol Nidre is this yeshiva on high, the yeshiva shalamala, connecting with the yeshiva shalamata, our court down here. And so that we vow to start afresh anew. And everyone gets the chance to come and pray together. This is what it means to pray, not with those that transgress, but those avar, anyone who may pass through, anyone who finds themselves in this sacred space tonight, faces both our judgments, meaning the court below, and the highest judgment on high. And so avar yanim, this disclaimer before kol nidre, is very deep, and its history is long, and I want to share with you individuals and customs that are around this very strange beginning. So, the first is kind of a theory that people had that Avaryanim sounds a lot like Iberians. Do you remember Iberian air? It's a good way to get, yeah, anybody? Iberian, it was like that way to get to Portugal. And so the Iberians, you're allowed to pray with the Iberians. And what we were talking about, they thought was conversos, Jews in the 14th and 15th century that were forcibly converted during the Inquisition. So that those Moranos, those Jews who were Christian outside, had one day a year to come on back and say, you know what, I know I did what I did, but I don't mean it. So that this was their time to say whatever faith that they have joined or strayed or been forced to participate in, they were welcomed back into their uh, faith. 
So Colney Dre, I just want to say it straight up, this is an incommunication ceremony. It's not a conversion ceremony. It's a reversion ceremony. It's really an opportunity for all and any to come and stand before God wherever they may have been or standing and say, I am here tonight. So, Maimonides, who lived in Cordoba in the 12th century, was under an influence of the Almohad regime. So the Almohads were the most uh, fundamentalist Muslims uh, that really, really hardcore. And they would forcibly convert uh, people to, from Judaism and ask, forcibly, not ask, demand that they would perform the Shahada to make this that no God but God, that was okay, but that Muhammad was the only prophet. That's not so okay. So here, Maimonides, supposedly a historian from the period, non-Jewish, said that, Mo, uh, that Maimonides performed the Shahada that he was forcibly converted in Cordoba and then reconverted when he moved, of all places, to Egypt, which was this place of tolerance. Now, that's unsubstantiated, so I don't want to do Lashon Hara to Maimonides. I'm sorry. And yet, we do have a letter. In a letter to martyrs, he said this, and I think it's, it's very powerful. Anyone who chooses martyrdom, meaning not to convert, in order not to acknowledge that man meaning Mohammed, he's done what's good and proper and his position's very high. But if anybody comes and asks me to surrender his life or acknowledge Mohammed, I tell him, confess and don't choose death. This is Maimonides straight up saying, live, Torah is a life of law and we all have extenuating circumstances and things happen. I can imagine Maimonides, or I can imagine so many different people in this Almohad period on Kol Nidre re-communicating, coming back to this space. So when some rabbis say, ah, two-day-a-year Jews, why, why, how does the shul exist? On this is exactly the point, is that it doesn't matter how many days a year you use the shul. Tonight, we all stand at the same level and that no one is far from God. So actually we know the, that, the so those are Bobomyces, but they're great. You know, the Conversos and Maimonides, but this is actually the real truth. It's mayor of Rotenburg. He was a rabbi in Rotenburg, Germany, 13th century. And so what this actual prayer was, it wasn't for any of us. It was for the rabbis of the court that had excommunicated people for whatever reason to say, you know what, I may have been wrong. I might have gotten a little harsh. Come on back. Seriously. And that once a year he said, you can all come back at this moment. However, you, uh, we said no, you can come back. So it was actually on court on high. That's the permission of the court to say, I'm sorry, rabbi of the congregation. Forgive me. I was too harsh. I'm not going to point to anybody, but if I kicked you out of Hebrew school, my bad. Call me Dre. You come on back. That was the best, by the way. For those in Hebrew school, I got to spend every Thursday at the principal's office. She was a great Bible scholar, and I fell in love with Bible. I was so happy to be kicked out of Hebrew school. But so it doesn't have to happen on Kol Nidre. And so, there are many ways, I, I do want to take a moment of sincerity, that a Jewish home, like a synagogue, that was once so welcoming and warm, can become an unsafe place. 
So I, on behalf of this congregation, ask forgiveness for stray remarks or maybe a poorly phrased email or maybe an annoying sermon that was alienating might have turned some of us off or away. Or perhaps more likely, something unsaid. One of those forgotten births, a yard site, or something that really is tough to see a misspelled name on a yard site list. I'm sorry. Forgive us. This is the court below asking the court on high to pray with those that have done you wrong. Because we as a community can alienate in so many ways, explicit and implicit, the very people that we most want to be here, always communing together in celebration and song. I wouldn't want to live with just perfect people anyway. So as long as we're forgiving one another, I ask you, believe, despite some of the challenging liturgy, and some of the challenging individuals and people, because our vows are null and void in the presence of the divine tonight. And so I beg and pray that we can all welcome one another with an open heart. So take Baruch Spinoza. I remember we talked a little Baruch Spinoza for your bat mitzvah. So he was excommunicated in the 17th century from his synagogue in Amsterdam. Anybody know what that synagogue's called? It's the Portuguese synagogue. So why Portugal? Because these were all Murano Jews. So they had converted, reverted, moved to Amsterdam, and then they look at this guy, Benedict Spinoza, who says, eh, I don't need it. And so they excommunicated him, but he didn't really care. By the way, he made glasses for most of them, you know. He still worked in the community. He was still there, and he was internationally renowned. What was he excommunicated for? This is the quote. Freedom of thought and speech not only may be granted, but freedom of speech and thought may not be withheld. Amen. Right? So we all agree that Baruch Spinoza should be welcomed home tonight. And I imagine him sneaking into the back on Kol Nidre. You know, some wig and other glasses that he kind of comes in and sees. Because, yes, he had a different theology. He was a secular humanist before there was such a thing. And yet he also probably loved his community. He loved his Torah. He loved the music. I'm, I'm guessing here. And that on a Kol Nidre was his opportunity. And so I welcome Baruch Spinoza back home. I also welcome home Heinrich Heine, who was a 19th century poet in Germany. And he was actually a rock star. He created the short verse of rock that much of music takes this same form. And he converted for a different reason. He asked for a job. He really wanted to get paid. And he wasn't allowed in the government system or the university system as a Jew. And so he went with one of the brothers, Grimm, and he went to a private place. It's very interesting, his conversion. He went with a brother, Grimm, to a small town. No one saw it except the brother, Grimm, and he said he did it. But he said this, quote, I would never have converted if I were permitted to steal silver spoons. So this is a man who chose life, Heine, and in brilliant poetry and continued to associate with the Jewish community. And so, to pray with those that have abarred from past to one tradition to another path, or from one denomination to another, or from superstition to questioning to belief, and back to superstition and back to questioning and back to belief, we are all welcome along these journeys back to this space. 
Lihitpalel ima avaryanim, those that pass from one way to another. I take a moment here from last year. God knows I called myself an atheist on Yom Kippur. Forgive me. That was a little much. <laughs> but questions of God and questions of our own faith, I think we need to suspend. One night, suspend our critical faculties. One night to say, not him, yes, her, now I will, now I won't. That's what tonight is not about. Tonight is about a radical acceptance of one another, and perhaps a radical acceptance of ourselves, as we are. You are forgiven at your word. Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan, the founder of Reconstructionist Judaism, excommunicated by the Orthodox Union of Rabbis. They literally burned his prayer book in 1946. Right? Jews, book burning, not good. A book with God's name in it because he changed liturgy. Three months later, he founded the Reconstructionist Movement. I love this. What was his title called? It's such a shtach. Unity and Diversity in Public Life. Not so subtle. But I wonder, do you think Mordechai ever wanted to slip back into an old school shtibel? Yes, non-egalitarian. Yes, all in Hebrew, maybe a little Yiddish. Maybe for one Kol Nidre to not think about the liturgy, not from his head, but from his soul. I invite tonight, not just those that I associate with, but even at times to welcome those who would refuse my prayers. Maybe for someone who doesn't believe in egalitarian Judaism. Maybe someone who doesn't think the way we pray to God is the right way. I welcome them in my prayers tonight. Our Kol Nidre is their Kol Nidre. And we pray together. There's another interpretation of Avaryanim I want to share, which is to pass. Not to pass from one another, not to pass from religion or tradition, but those that pass. Those with Jewish names and customs and families, but may not be Jewish. Or those with non-Jewish names, but with deep connections to God, to our community and our traditions. K.I., thank God, we welcome across the entire spectrum. Not just tonight, but every day. And yet tonight, on high and below, no one else can judge or accept who prays here. I pray that we take to heart our own faith and set a life to the divine. Wherever you may find yourself, in whatever former tradition you may have found yourself, Sometimes I feel, I'm just being frank, sometimes we're so welcoming we don't ask if people want to take that journey in a different place. I trust that each of you know that within your hearts and you will find your place here tonight, how we all wish to be remembered in life. I say this because uh, this summer I read David Brooks, guys, you know, columnist David Brooks, his most recent book is called The Second Mountain. Really deep book. An expression of uh, David's midlife Christmas, so to speak. You know, midlife crisis, there's midlife Christmas. So, you know, in this story, he climbs the first mountain of success, of conservative politics, of the New York Times, of Yale and the Aspen Institute. But now he's come to preach a different gospel. It's community, social responsibility, and love. It's really a powerful work. And he's climbing the second mountain with virtue and kindness. 
He stands on all the shoulders of the people I mentioned. He, he quotes Maimonides, Spinoza, Heine, Kaplan. And yet, he also discovered for himself through a second marriage and love, identifying as someone who is a Christian Jew. A Jew who's a Christian. Okay. If this is not Jew for Jesus. This is different. This is someone who is Jewish and yet Christian. So he writes, the kingdom of heaven is not a place you go, but a place you come from. I can't think of a more Jewish statement than that. And I think he would agree. And yet here it is. I'll admit, I was disturbed by this move. It really got me. And like, and like my epigenetics of my bubby was like, yeah! Because he found Jesus as more than just all right. And so, my critical faculty, it's not a conversion for fear of death. It's not to be accepted. It's not to make it in this world. He's already done all these things. And yet, I suspend judgment tonight. This is the radical reinterpretation of Kol Nidre. Rather than now I'm going to be the best Jew ever, why not take a moment and say, wherever I have come from, where do I find myself in this moment? He admits his last five years have been a strange trip. And the next five might take another weird turn. And so tonight, I welcome him home. I welcome with open arms and a pure faith. This is a reversion moment. You don't have to wait five or ten years. Tonight, you each can find for yourself a newfound faith in yourselves. And so I have one last final welcome. It's to our daily spiritual state. One that I feel uh, William James calls it Zerissenheit in German. It's a shred apartness of each of our souls. It's a divided self. And we can divide ourselves between our family and community, between our work-life balance, whatever that means, or the sides of our very complicated personalities. This is an incommunication ceremony. For I know I've excommunicated parts of myself in order to live with myself on a day-to-day basis. I sometimes sacrifice my sacred self. I often sacrifice the profane self. I often temper my obnoxious self, my self-righteous self, my depressed self. All of these, over the course of a year, at one time or another, get alienated and cut out but they're part of who I am and they're part of who every human being is, complicated individuals. And so I welcome all those parts of myself home. And I pray for you tonight and tomorrow on Yom Kippur to welcome your whole self home. And perhaps, if we can make kapara with this wholeness, then... We can demand to be accepted for who I am and we can reach further out to accept one another beyond some of our politics, beyond bumper stickers and competitive fundraisers. That is not the purpose for today and tomorrow. Kapara, I don't know if you know this translation, but it's um, instead of the balancing, paying back, it's a, a gauze. It's this kind of wrapping so that even though I feel torn asunder, I know that I will be made whole. 
And this is the prayer that we pray. Shifti bevet Adonai kol chayai. Shifti. That I can settle into my whole self and that is with the divine. That is my request. And that's not just a hopey change you wish. Despite my flaws that I can reach in and then I will be able to reach out. For if in our pre-trial we can accept ourselves and we can make kapara as a whole. I want to end with a quote from Prophet Isaiah from our Haftarah tomorrow. Shalom, shalom, l'rachok v'lekarov amar Adonai. Peace, peace, wholeness, wholeness, welcome, welcome, from far and from near, says God. I don't think Isaiah is talking about different people. I think it's talking about the same person. Someone who's so far from themselves, welcome. Someone who can be so close and yet so far within one soul, welcome. This is the Word of God so that we can dwell and rest and pray and demand wholeness and peace within. May we all be blessed and sealed to life and peace. Shifti.